Live from Studio 3B. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes, Spotify, and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth featuring musical guest Sting. gentlemen alan cross and michael hainsworth so now that you've had time to reflect on the week that was in las vegas what did you think of ces i wish i had more time to wander through it oh you and me both because i'm reading all the stuff that was presented after we left and i thought oh god damn it i wish i could have been there for that all right, so next year you're going to book a flight that isn't 1.30 in the afternoon the day the show opens? I will free up more time on my calendar. <laughs> now, a question. Did you get yes. sick? No, surprisingly. Did I get sick? Did you? No. Surprisingly. Did my wife get sick? Probably. She's got Ebola. <laughs> oh, jeez. Have you quarantined her? Uh, she's up in the spare bedroom upstairs. She has not been allowed to, to leave. I'm fine. See, that that's one of the things that I... I envy you suburbanites about that you actually have enough square footage in your homes that when one of you is sick you can sort of be quarantined elsewhere on the compound no that's exactly what she she's uh, she is she is quarantined in an area where um you can only enter with hazmat suits <laughs> so we have so much more to talk about from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas that we didn't get to on our live-to-air show when we were at the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center talking about all the fun stuff. Yeah, there, there was a, so much to talk about. So many people that came by, so many places that we went, even though we basically booked out before the thing got really going. Uh, but it, it, again, it's just so big, so huge, so... Uh. Which is why they have two media nights that we went to and we talked to all these people in advance of the doors opening. Somebody had mentioned when they watched the live show that there didn't seem to be anybody mulling about. And I had failed to mention that the doors didn't open until about a half an hour after we got up and running. That's so true. it's no surprise. <laughs> yeah. So it's no surprise that there wasn't a lot of action in the background. But uh, there was a lot of action for you and me in the days leading up to it, gathering up all these interesting tidbits about uh, the future. We, as uh, we had discussed we went to reef dispensaries and learned how marijuana is grown we also learned how it's sold but we didn't get a chance to talk about that so we'll talk about that uh, and uh, you as i mentioned earlier kicked my butt in digital pinball i used to work at an arcade i was a genuine pinball wizard Right. So I beat you by, what, 1.3 million points? Yes. I had 300,000. You had 1.6 million. There you go. So we'll talk to Gary Stern a little later on in the program. But uh, how about we start with going to the moon? This is a company that, see, this 
you wander into when you walk through CES. A company out of Japan who is planning commercial missions to the moon, and I'd never heard of it. Japan's iSpace was represented at CES by Aaron Sorensen. So Aaron, what are we looking at? Yeah, so we're iSpace. We're a Japanese lunar exploration company. We're making robotics for lunar exploration. So these are our technology. We have a lander which will go to the moon to carry these rovers which will explore the surface of the moon. Now, I think the Chinese have already gone to the far side of the moon, so obviously that's taken. That's right. So we're actually planning to go to the near side of the moon. At first, we were going to stay um, somewhere in the middle, but eventually we want to go to the polar side because in the poles, that's where the water is frozen in the soil, and we want to be able to identify where those resources are. All right. So what are you going to be looking for besides the frozen water? For water? Well, besides, uh, besides the water. Uh, well, water is our main uh, interest because water is what can be divided into hydrogen and oxygen. It can be used for fuel as well as life support. And so it'll enable for uh, industry to be able to establish on the moon. All right, so baby steps here. We're actually looking for a fuel source on the moon. You're going to try and identify that and become the gas station for anybody who wants to set up a settlement. Yes, that's a long-term view is to be able to have a waypoint to deeper space, um, but also for the infrastructure that exists between the Earth and the Moon as well. Yeah, this is obviously a scale model. How big is the real thing? <laughs> so this is a one-fifth size scale. Um, the real thing's about three meters tall. Okay. Is that uh, the rover above the regular size? This is one by one scale. It's one the actual one. size. That's the actual size. Yeah, that's all you need. Which makes me wonder, though, why are you at the consumer electronics show if you're going to the moon? Right, so there's a lot of opportunities for the consumer goods. So for example, we brought, uh, we're unveiling our virtual reality application here today. And um, virtual reality, we have a game where you can experience our lunar mission firsthand, and you can see what it's like to land a, a lander, to explore with the rover, and all the difficulty that's involved. We would like for a company like a gaming company or a virtual reality company to purchase the rights when we actually get lunar imagery on the moon so they can be the only ones that own real lunar imagery for their games or for their virtual reality, that kind of thing. Oh, or maybe a movie company. Movie companies, any kind of entertainment companies. I mean, all kinds of companies, there's opportunities, but entertainment would be really, really cool for lunar imagery. Question, how do you get it up there? Who are you going to use? So we've already purchased two flights with SpaceX. The first one's next year in mid-2020, and the second mission will be in mid-2021. So Elon Musk, again, changing everything. So this is an Elon Musk type of situation. Well, we purchased his flights, that's right. Yeah. So I assume then that the reason why you want to sell the video that you would get from the moon to an entertainment company, whether it be a film production company or a video game maker, is this is a means of financing this project. Exactly. So we're a private company. So we're looking for sponsors or we're looking for companies to partner with who can help us to fund our subsequent missions. So we raised $100 million in our Series A last year, which is going to fund our first two missions. But we're looking for partners and customers who will uh, be able to fund our subsequent missions after that. So it costs 50 million bucks to put something like that on the moon. Roughly 50 million dollars for a space for a lunar mission. Um, we're we've been able to downsize the traditional size of, of of our equipment. So we're making very small, low cost landers and rovers. And also, you know, a company like SpaceX, they provide very low cost launches. So we've been able to do it in under 50 million. Companies like SpaceX and others who are getting into the more commercial oriented space have been using off the shelf parts and products as a opposed to what NASA had to do for the first moon landing, which was make everything the first time around. That's exactly right. And actually, our rover is made with a lot of consumer off-the-shelf products as well. Um, one of our sponsors when we were doing the Google Lunar X Prize previously was a Japanese glue manufacturer who glued on our solar panels. And um, yeah, and also well, one of our companies was Zoff, which is a 
my glasses actually is off. The Japanese glasses company, their material is made out of the same material as the wheels for, um, and it, it's a good like marketing opportunity for these companies to be able to do tie-ups with us. So those were, that was our previous sponsorship model. Now we're looking for new sponsors who want to do some kind of technology collaboration with us. And consumer companies are very great opportunities because they there's many things they can do with marketing um, before we even launch as well. Okay, interesting. Um, I want that sticker for my uh, computer. You want the sticker for your I computer? Be, I want to be the first guy to have a Hakuto R. Yes. Hakuto R is the name of our program for these first two missions. When we were doing the Google Lunar X Prize, it was called Hakuto. Team Hakuto is a Japanese team for that competition. Now that we're doing these first two missions on our own, Hakuto R stands for Hakuto Reboot. So we're re rebooting Hakuto, and we're we're doing these first two missions. What does Hakuto mean? So Hakuto is White Rabbit in Japanese, and they have a. That makes sense because I was going to say that looks like Luigi's bunny ears on Bob's Burgers. So okay. So just like Americans see a man on the moon, uh, the Japanese have a kind of a local folk tale that there's a white rabbit existing on the moon. So that's the background for the for the name. So the next video game um, I might be playing, I might be shooting people up on the moon using actual moon footage. Which is, I think, really cool because I, I never thought that this is an interesting way to possibly monetize such a very expensive mission. This company had raised $100 million, but they need continuing funds if they're going to continue launching rockets to the moon. So why not turn what you're actually capturing on video into video game footage. Meantime, we explored how cannabis is grown legally in the state of Nevada with what I had been describing as the Apple store of weed. So after we got the big tour behind the scenes, we got a chance to see how we actually sell it up front. Which was very cool for a newbie like me because I really didn't know what I was getting into. Mike Pizzo gave us a tour. Are you ready for this? I can't wait. What are you looking forward to? I don't know what I'm looking forward to. I just want to see, look at this, this place is huge. It's a giant warehouse in an industrial area of Las Vegas. And what can you possibly have inside? Oh, you're going to see. Let's right. find out. This is essentially, as I've been describing it, the Apple store for weed. Right, okay. This is not like the friendly stranger on Queen Street West by any stretch. Okay. Okay? Let's, uh, Let's do it. Have a look. We started out as kind of the Apple Store model, um, and that was in 2016 when we first opened here. And actually, we kind of felt the Apple Store model failed because we did have the big wooden tables um, with iPads, and you know, and what we were seeing is that wasn't really efficient for uh, you know getting customers in and out, you know, as, as quickly as possible. Um, and what happened is we started to see lines going out the door, and we were like, okay, we gotta we gotta rethink this. So we kind of took a more um, streamlined approach. Uh, got the queue, got everything. Um, so we still are using the same wooden tables here, but now we have, you know, everything out on the table for people to smell, a bud, a bud tender at each station, um, and that allows us to process the queue much quicker. So, of course, this is all about the Benjamins. Yeah, sure. It's all about making money. What's the? This is the most efficient model for you. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and then of course we also have the uh, express window. So, if you're uh, if you know what you want and you don't want to wait in any kind of line, you can text your order in or go to the reefpickup.com and uh, place your order online too. So, with this coming to Canada yeah. in the very near future, what's what's the best lessons you've learned over the course of the last year with legalization here since what 2017 or so? Yeah, uh, 20. Yeah, so. I would say the best lessons that we've learned, um, Nevada has like the strictest regulations in the country. 
Um, obviously, this state knows how to regulate vices. I mean, gambling's legal here, among other things. Um, so they took that same approach when writing the laws uh, for cannabis. And so it's, it's a very strict uh, set of regulations. Um, I think that's a great model to follow because you look at... Um, you know, areas like California where it's a little more gray, um, or each each district has its own, or in the past has had its own set of regulations, and things start conflicting, and it gets really confusing, and then, you know, and that just keeps the black market thriving. Okay, let's ask yeah. about the black market. Sure. So, has it elim- eliminated the black market? Has it uh, dealt it a death blow? No, um, no. no, not not at all, not at all. I mean, I think the black market still thrives. Um, but on the same token, you don't know what you're getting on the black market. So, you know, you just took a tour of our cultivation um, where you can see exactly how it's grown. And, and that's, that was an exclusive. I mean, not everyone gets to see that. But my point being, um, you can see that the plants are in a safe, controlled environment, right? Uh, in the black market, you could be grown in some guy's closet. There could be mold. Uh, you know, heavy metals, uh, mildew, yeah, anything. Right, right, exactly. So, um, you know, and because everything is uh, tested and it has to go through uh, testing, um, if it fails, we are we have to destroy it. Um, the black market says, put it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you're t- you're rolling the dice. All right. In Canada, federally. Yes. Marijuana is legal. Yes. Cannabis is legal. Yes. In the United States, federally, it's still a restricted substance, correct? Yes. So how many states now are... So the states are in charge of their own cannabis ruling, their law, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What's interesting is that if you go from Vancouver, so British Columbia, into Washington State, right across the border... Right. Both places, cannabis is legal, but there's that gray area along the border mm-hmm. where the federal border protection agency can say, "No, you're transporting drugs." Right, it's right. A you're, you're basically upset that you're not going to be able to bring anything well, home this, tonight. This right. is my point. I mean, if yeah. you go through Toronto's airport through customs, you know, importing of cannabis materials is illegal right. because you know it's a controlled substance, and uh, you know, what, what are you bringing in? Right. Um, how long do you before we see some sort of rationalization in some oh, of these things? I mean, well, well, the first part is, you know, we, we want to see the, the U.S. go federally legal. And when that happens, that's going to open up everything. I mean, there's going to be interstate uh, transporting of cannabis. There'll be companies that supply several several neighboring states, you know what I mean? But those walls have to get knocked down first. doesn't sound like you've got a political climate in this country to make that happen. Well, I mean... I don't know. Both sides of the aisle pretty much agree that cannabis should be legal in some way. I think it's just a matter of everybody kind of getting on the same page and, you know, follow the money. <laughs> you mentioned the term bud tender. These are not bartenders because we are not selling alcohol right. here. Yeah, but uh, that's kind of the, the nomenclature for uh, this crew back here, you know, and everybody's trained in, in uh, the you know, what strain is going to work for whatever you, you need it for. I can imagine education is a critical component at this stage. Yeah, it is. Um, we we have uh, several in-house training videos, manuals. Um, well, I mean more for the clients, the customers, yeah, yeah. than the actual people behind yeah. the counter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we do get, uh, since this is Las Vegas and we're located just off the Las Vegas Strip, um, this location sees probably 85-90% tourists. Um, our other Southern Nevada location is almost all locals, because uh, that's in North Las Vegas, so it's not a tourist popular area. Um, so yeah, a lot of people come to Las Vegas kind of wanting to let their hair down. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. They want to try cannabis for the first time. So, so just so I'm clear, yeah. the facilities that we saw supply just this store. 
Incorrect. The facility, the facility that we toured supplies all four of our okay. Nevada locations, but just this brand, basically. Right, okay. right. So Trike is our parent company and our in-house brand, and Trike supplies all, the, all four reef dispensary locations. Now, in Arizona, we have a separate cultivation and two dispensaries out there, but because of what we were talking about earlier, we have to grow it out there to supply those two locations. We can't grow it here and then take it over there. What against the, law. the education side. Yeah. You know, so we're looking at this and someone who might understand that if you're looking for a THC, maybe there's an 18 to 25 percent THC content in a flower that you would roll and smoke or put in a vaporizer. But when it comes to liquids, when it comes to edibles, we're not talking about percentages. We're talking about milligrams. It feels like a real apples to oranges scenario right now. How do I know what I'm getting and what it's going to do for me? Alan points out, you know what you're getting when you've got uh, a martini versus uh, a beer. Right, and I mean, and how do you know that? Because of years of education, right? So this is a uh, this is new territory, um, and so, so educate us. Yeah. So okay. So you know, with edibles, for instance, um, they say that the thing you often hear is slow and low, right? Like the Beastie Boys song. You go slow and low. That means a uh, small quantity, and allow it a good hour or two to take effect. If you feel you know, five milligrams doesn't take effect in two hours, then maybe have one more, and then you'll probably feel something, right? If you have a tolerance, so you're a, you're a lifetime cannabis user, you might be someone who needs 25 milligrams, you know what I mean? But we always say, uh, start low and go slow. Well, it's you know? like me with scotch. I mean, if you have, if you were to drink some of my scotch, you'd be on the floor after a glass and a half. Me, I can go four and I'm still fine. But with you and your stupid dirty martinis, I've got one and a half in me, and then you're still standing. So that's edibles, but yes. then we also okay, get so into oils and, right. and so things like that. So, so what's what's pretty great about concentrates and, and vaping uh, the cannabis oil is you're getting much more of a THC percentage. Um, so, like with flour, like you said, 18 to 20 percent, but the rest of it gets destroyed when we. Uh, when you burn it, right? All the all the excess material. Well, with extracts, you're extracting the THC right out of it, so you can get a, a vape pen that has 85% THC, you know, or, or right. So you, you just watch my eyebrows right, go right. up. <laughs> right. But but the the thing is, is you need you take a lot less to feel it. Like it's kind of one of those things that you take a hit. You're like, whoa, okay. Like that was pretty instant. You know what I mean? Like because it's going straight to your head. You, you there's nothing blocking oh, the, like the delivery. Exactly. Same thing. I mean, that's going to go right to your head. Right. But I mean, that's that's also the, you know, you have to ask yourself the question like, you know, when you go buy alcohol, are you going to buy Everclear because you want to get the highest high? You know what I mean? I mean, some people uh, treat cannabis like they would treat smoking a cigar, right? So they go for taste or they go for or it's smell. Like, it's or like a glass of wine, right? You want something that suits the mood right. and the environment. Right. Absolutely. You mentioned vaporizer pens. Sure. So there's a, a technology component to this as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, the trike vape pen uh, runs on a USB-powered battery. Oh, great. Um, Something else yeah. I have to charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So uh, you plug that in 15 minutes. Uh, you know, when it's ready, the, it lights up, and then you screw in your cartridge, um, which has the oil in it, and then you use that cartridge, and then when you're done with it, uh, you go buy another cartridge, keep the battery, and 
go from there. Oh, so now not only do I have to remember to charge the thing, but it's like a K-cup. I have to remember to buy the pods. Hey, I mean, but but think about what you would have to do if you actually wanted to roll a joint. You'd have to grind the flour. You, you know what I mean? So it, it takes a lot of that extra workout. Uh, and gives a more uh, a cleaner, uh, more potent delivery. So if this is the big tourist destination, when the tourists come in, what are they looking for? What are they asking? What, what, what's their experience? Well, I, well, one of the funny ones I see is like, well, I don't want to smoke it, but I, I'll eat it, you know. And right, but that's the issue is that because we, we, we because smoking anything, we've 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 deemed as bad for our health over, over, you know, because of cigarettes and, and, you know, really hard drugs, bad drugs. Right. Um, but the problem is because, um, edibles take a long time to hit you. Um, and people are, and well, and they taste great. Um, people often overindulge. So they'll, you know, eat a whole 250 milligram, uh, rice crispy treat and then be wigging out, uh, two hours later. Okay, then your best advice if someone finds themselves in an overdose situation. Okay, best advice. One, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. You may think it. Yeah, you may think it, but you're you're just high. You're not going to die. Um, Two, um, and I'm, you know, I can tell you that uh, black pepper has a calming effect. So if you are just smelling black pepper, it, for whatever reason, just kind of calms your mind. Um, you know, maybe you want to isolate yourself, you know, like, but just relax and you master your high, basically. The, the comedian Craig Ferguson says orange juice is a good way to come down. Any truth to that? Haven't tried that one, but, you know, you know. What? What's that for? I'm fine. I've listened. Does the uh, orange juice have vodka in it? Well, if it's coming from me. Well, okay, then I'll be fine. <laughs> the other fact is what... Uh, cannabis does to to your personality versus what alcohol does you know so alcohol tends to kind of bring out the worst in people in terms of fighting and uh, you know get yeah, you, you know the term angry drunk right, there's no course. such thing as an angry stoner right stoners are chill you know they're just tired they go to sleep you know what i mean so <laughs> we it's not and 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 interestingly if you talk to our security team the problems that we have with people customers are drunk people so, which, you know, this is Las Vegas. There's a lot of drunk people that wander in. We're, we're open 24 hours. Um, so any issue that we any, usually have is someone who's been drinking, not anybody who's smoking, you know? I just want to get this in, yeah. too. This facility produces, what did we say, six to 800 pounds yes. per month? Yeah, six to 800 pounds per month, and uh, that services the four locations that we have here in Nevada. And how long does it take to go through six to eight, what is it, pounds per month? 100 pounds yeah. per month? Yeah, I mean, uh, I won't say what we're we're moving out of here monthly, but you know, th- that can probably give you a good idea of of supply and demand. You know. Yeah, maybe you could ship some up north. I, I think no, uh, I we're a little short. <laughs> Actually, that's true. You can't. Yeah, I can't. But yeah, we'd love to, but we can't. I have a feeling that the smell from the cultivation and the dispensary is going to be stuck in my leather jacket forever. That was pungent. I mean, really. <laughs> and it wasn't a good pungent. It was just like the sickly sweet uh, smell. I had a headache. And we we asked the guy, uh, is the scent when we stepped out of the car from, you know, the, the, the customers smoking outside your store? Or is this from the cultivation? They're like, oh, it's from the cultivation. It used to be a lot worse. They, they had some really heavy duty air exchangers in there. And thank yeah. God, because... Wow. It was it wasn't pleasant. It really wasn't pleasant. It was it was 
not the smell that you associate with anything cannabis, but it, you could tell it was related to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it's, it smelled like a silent but deadly, but at a nuclear level. Yeah, that, that would be a good description. You proved your your metal. You 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 proved that you could play pinball. Yep, I uh, I'm very confident in my pinball skills. I could have been a professional. Could have been a contender. I could have been. Uh, I think I actually proved that to you, didn't I? You certainly did. And to the man behind, essentially, the majority of the pinball industry today, founder Gary Stern of Stern Pinball. CES 2019, not CES 1979. Why is there a pinball machine here? Uh, pinballs are cool, that's why. Uh, first of all, consumer game, yes. Electronics, yes. We make games that are for uh, game operators, which consumers play, but also uh, for collector's enthusiasts, um, soon to be a collector enthusiast over here, uh, and uh, for rec room buyers, which is already a rec room buyer, somebody this one. Now with Beatles behind us, we have a fourth market segment, and that's the Beatles collectors. But we are having a resurgence. We're most of the market to be uh, proud and honest. We're probably 85% of the market, maybe 90 worldwide. We export half of our games. And, uh, and with that, we've had a resurgence or a new growth in pinball. We're up uh, 30, 35% a year for the last three, four years. So this is cashing in on nostalgia. Um, it's nostalgia, yes, Wait no. Wait a minute, it's Beatles it's also, behind you. Yeah, and we've made nostalgia games. There's also gameplay. They're just fun. It's a ball and bad game. As the great pinball designer Harry Williams said, the ball is wild. It's a randomizer. It's just like baseball or tennis. Keep your eye on the ball. And there are rules. There's a sport here. Casual player can have fun, just like a casual player can have fun playing baseball or tennis. But there's also... They're competitors. There's 60,000 people ranked worldwide by the IFPA, the International Flipper Pinball Association. We have started the Stern Pro Tour. See, I would be interested in that kind of thing. If you could have esports with games like Fortnite, you could have stuff like this. Back, you know, I'm thinking Tommy and Ken Russell's Tommy and all. Yeah, the, yeah. I would love to be a part of that. So then what makes this a modern-day pinball machine? It's very high-tech inside, even though there's still analog parts. It's also high-tech outside. Um, we're no longer with old yellow light bulbs with wheels. We have an LCD display where, you know, our licensed titles. We uh, show uh, a video from that is attached to the game, that makes sense to the game. Uh, we have, uh, we, it's just like you don't buy a car with roll-up windows. We have power windows on these on these games. We have ramps and mechanical devices. You come tomorrow at 11 o'clock to our booth, uh, South Hall 1, uh, uh, 21800, and you will see us uh, introduce our new Cornerstone game, a game with a pro, premium, and LE model. As far as the high-tech innards are concerned, though, this thing is internet connected? It will be. It is not right now. We have a uh, bus system that is scalable. Uh, we started uh, it a few years ago, and instead of having a half-mile wire, we're down to well under a quarter-mile wire in a game. Uh, and uh, all LEDs, so they're reliable. Um, it has a, a lot of reporting back and forth, and we will be in the cloud. We will be internet-connected uh, this year. Yes, I need to know how you manage to license 
Beatles material for this. Okay, um, most uh, all of our games are licensed. This game we did with Kapow, uh, which is a uh, which is a, um, uh, a studio that my friend Joe Kamenko uh, here. This is Joe Kamenko. Uh, hey, Joe. And hey. He's the one that he and I for ten years worked to get the Beatles license. So to answer Alan's question, how did we manage to get the Beatles license, the first and only pinball machine with the Beatles title on it, nine pieces of music performed by the Beatles, Ed Sullivan, uh, cousin Brucey doing the announcing. A lot of hard work, a lot on his part. A lot of years. And, and amazing because you're not even a Beatles fan, you're more of a Rolling Stones guy. No, I'm a Beatles guy. <laughs> No. This, this, You're this, trying to get us this, in trouble, this, aren't this, you? This, this was a white elephant. So yeah. you have to work those licensing fees into the retail price of that thing, oh, would you not? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. How much does this game cost? Um, the um, There's three different versions of this game. Uh, there's a uh, diamond. There, there were only 100 made. There's only 1,964 games. You not, note 1964. Right. right. Um, so there's 100 diamonds, uh, 250 platinums, and uh, the balance are golds. The golds uh, sell on the uh, Beatles website for $10,000. You got 10 grand no, in your pocket? That's not so bad. No, I understand. That's not I understand. so bad. Now, wait a minute. Our regular pro game uh, will sell for about uh, uh, $7,000, six, $7,000. So it's not that bad. This is the Beatles with nine songs performed by the Beatles. So if it took you 10 years to get the licensing, tell me about the time it took to actually build this, because I can imagine you didn't just pull this out of your ass. There's a lot of work that needs to go into this. Well, the game took about a year and a half, and it took a little more time than a normal game to develop because of the approvals, and you know everything had to be approved by Freud. How do you make a great pinball machine? Magic. Magic. Magic the and? Last, the last two or three percent of the design is magic. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows yeah. that. <laughs> but, uh, no, but, but, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're fairly skilled in the art. You know, Gary and I founded what is now Stern Pinball back in 1986. We're both second generation in the business. And it had to be a game that has flow and uh, skill and mechanical targets to shoot down. And this was sort of a, a retro take, sort of like when you look at the, the Volkswagen Beetle or the redo of, um, let's say, the Thunderbird, where we wanted to make it a little bit more of a, a modern take on an old-style pinball machine, as if this thing had been made in, in 1964 with today's technology. And I think we accomplished that pretty yeah, well. Certainly in 64, there wasn't an LCD display with the Beatles actually on it. Well, when we spoke last year, what I had learned was that a lot of your pinball machines are internet-connected, such that because there are analog parts that will ultimately at some point wear out, you've got to ensure that the customer has that replacement part. We're, we're not internet connected now, but the, but the game itself has all kinds of reporting in it and, ah. and, and uh, in, the, in, the hard, in the hardware system and the brains of the game. Um, with the bus system that we have now, it will not only tell you what's wrong, it will overcome it by ignoring it and, and playing the game anyways. Make and the game yeah. work no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, you come by tomorrow, please do, and you'll see the new game that we're introducing, which is a regular. This is a studio game that we worked on together. The Cornerstone games, uh, we make three of them a year in three different versions. They say a pro, a premium, and LA. See, what I would like to do is I like to have one at Alan's house, and I like to have one at my house, so that every time the high scores come up, he can see how I kicked his butt. Oh, please. That you? Not a chance. <laughs> oh, really? Not a chance. You want to try? We're going to try it. Okay. okay. Let's see you guys play.
I'm kicking your butt, Alan. I haven't even started yet. Okay. All right, so, Alan. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm the new Hey, I can use a new job. I'm getting tired of this one. Okay, there we go. Now, Scott Ford. Uh, he, and you did not. No, you got ball safe. Caught that on the magnet up at the top. Dropped the ball into the pop bumpers. Hitting it around. He, oh, behind the fab target. And back to the flippers. Did you see that? Yeah. Hey, Zach. Uh, oh, no. No. Here, here, here. Jack, Jack. You do this. You do this. Wait, wait. Jack, he professionally announced the all right, ladies and gentlemen, our player here has three, two balls in play. His ball save just ended. His jackpot is lit. Third ball is now in play. Ball save is ready. That ball's coming right back. Do not sweat it. If he can get that ball up to the top magnet, he's going to score a lot of points. Just keeps on draining. Come on, get control, buddy. You know you can do this. We're currently inside of the two-ball multi-ball for all my loving. We're down to one ball play. He's going to have to knock down Fab and Four to get right back into the next mode. He just saved his shot. Hey, Internet, what's going on? All right, what are we going to do? Oh, just the barely creeping up there. Does not give it to him. Spells 1964. He's got all three of his drop targets down. That means extra ball is lit in the in lane. If he rolls over it, he will have another ball for play. Can he hit it? The ball, extra ball light does change based on hitting the slingshots. Great nudge, great save. Can he get control and put it right where it needs to be? It has moved to the right in lane. Come on, that's it. Oh, and it bounces out. Can he keep it going? The magnet throwing the ball around. Where, what is the innovation here? Get it, baby, get it. Ooh, that's, oh, an unfortunate right out lane. And that will be it for ball three. Bravo. Alan Cross, you have done well. You beat me by a full million points. <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> Coming in from... <laughs> I, hope you, I, I hope you guys had fun. Gary, That's thank you so much for joining us. Because these are not heart lung machines. They're all about fun. And that's that's all that's all we want to do. It's have fun. I was a little disappointed to find out that this particular unit wasn't internet connected like the other ones. I, I guess um, it it didn't really bother me. It, it felt you know I didn't understand the big deal because it felt and played like um, an old school pinball machine, except the back glass had uh, you know all kinds of video and and still pictures of the Beatles as well as some music from the Beatles playing. That was the only thing that set it apart from anything else. It was, you know, it had digital counters and all the digital bonus stuff that goes along with it. But it, it really did feel fairly traditional. Yeah, I suppose also it was $10,000. Well, the, for the cheap one. For the cheap model, yeah. But they have other models that connect to each other over the internet. So you and I could play against each other sort of metaphorically because it would just be on the leaderboard on the backboard. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're playing um, solitaire on your iPad. You know, you can have the internet leaderboard. Um, still, cool. And, and I would love to have one of these things in my basement. But again, 10000 US is a bit dear for me. Thank you so much, everyone who made it possible for us to be at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, uh, particularly uh, Chef Mike Benninger, who paid for a lovely meal for us. We mentioned that last time around. Uh, I had the steak. I had the lamb. And uh, your wife had? I think she had the salmon. 
Yes, I think she had the salmon. And it was a lovely meal at Delmonico's. Thank you very much, Mike, for helping making that possible. And uh, to everyone who opened up their wallets to uh, support the big show as well in one way, shape, or this form. This is pretty self-indulgent. Yeah, what did you have for dinner? Oh, yeah, and it was paid for by the people who support the show. Um, well, no. Well, it was, it was one of the meals. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine. This is a GNB News Update. What's this Music Fan Expo we're going to January 26th? Oh, this is the second annual Music Fan Expo. It's happening in Mississauga at the Convention Center on the, what did I say, the 26th? 26th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah, basically what it is is a one-day event where all people who are music fans can come in and... It's like a convention for music fans. So it's like Comic-Con, but instead of for comic book nerds, it's for music nerds? No, yeah, kind of. It's like CES, except that it's for music fans and things that serve music fans. Okay, and what are we doing there? We are going to be doing a podcast there, uh, and I am going to be on display as a pretty face. Oh, really? How do you feel about that? Uh, it's my life. It's what I do. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So what time are we going to be doing the show live on location from the Mississauga Convention Center Saturday, January 26th? I think we should be there from 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock? 1 to 2. Are, are you lining us up guests and stuff like this? Because this is all on you, dude. No, no. They're going to be guests there. So we'll just walk around to all the different tables. We'll get there early and then say, hey, you want to be on our podcast? And they'll go, oh, Sure. You have no idea what it takes to put this show together, do you? I have, well, I have, listen. How, how, I want, I, how are we going to go from you, interviewing these people on the floor to putting it on the show live? I, I don't know. We're going to have another microphone for them, I guess. And I don't know. are you paying for these streaming costs? Because they want 300 bucks I'm not paying. Too, too much. I'm going to work on that. Okay. Should I just edit this whole promotion out until next week? No, no, you can leave it in there, and we'll just see exactly what happens. Because <laughs> if people show up at 1 o'clock, and we're not actually there because... No, well, we, I have to be there. We will be there. Okay. <laughs> what we're doing will be a, something entirely different. I don't know if we're going to be doing it live. We'll figure something out. Don't worry. By the way, uh, I do know how much goes into producing the show, because uh, I have to congratulate you for a fine job at CES. That was uh, a masterful example of technical mastery oh thank you you know how good it was how good was it uh i well first of all two things i have been getting uh compliments from people ever since we got back and number two it was so good and so well received that my parents watched it really yes i got i got a like from my 97 year old grandmother no my mom called and said you know we watched you on the facebook i i wonder if they watched the teledildonics interviews I wonder if they got through the whole thing. By the way, um, I pawned off my teledildonics device to uh, to a friend. She's going to try it out. <laughs> Is she going to provide us with a review? Uh, I asked her to, and she she she's, she opened it last night. <laughs> so I don't know whether she's going to actually put it to use. I had the uh, the Kegel exerciser. You had the uh, the actual teledildonics device. I had the actual Omibod app controlled, soon to be. Actually, it does work with your your Apple Watch apparently, and it'll with your soon- watch. Yes, with your watch. Well, were you not there for the interview? What it doesn't do yet is the is the Alexa. That's coming soon. Well, I must have missed the watch. I mean, no pun intended. <laughs> Subscribe to all new episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or stream us live every Wednesday at geeksandbeats.com. Support the show on Patreon. 
And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for a daily dose of the world's most popular podcasts with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.